Freedom is never more than one generation away from extinction. We didn't pass it on to our children in the bloodstream. The only way they can inherit the freedom we have known is if we fight for it, protect it, defend it, and then hand it to them with the well-taught lessons of how they in their lifetime must do the same. And if you and I don't do this, then you and I may well spend our sunset years telling our children and our children's children what it once was like in America when men were free. Welcome to our first episode of the year 2017. Yes, Happy New Year, everyone. Yes, um, we have, uh, this is episode 71, right? Oh, so it's getting a, older. So, and here's the thing. There's a bunch of sevens going on here. It's got to mean something, right? This is going to air on Saturday, January 7th of 2017 and it is episode 71 something's going on there right if you're into numbers we're that's going to vegas something. <laughs> we are actually going to vegas does the uh, machine still have sevens on weekend. them i don't even think they have sevens on them anymore so I, some of them got to they probably dance around on the screen they're all video yeah. and well i didn't even say welcome to gun freedom radio where we engage we educate and we inform. We are sponsored by azfirearms.com, the biggest little gun shop in Arizona. Even with my squeaky trying to get over a cold voice, I, I thought that was going to come out nothing but air. I am one of your hosts, Cheryl Todd. And I'm Dan Todd. Happy New Year. We've got a great show today. Our theme is better, stronger, and faster. And Cheryl, you got some explaining to do. All right. Well, those of us who grew up in the 70s are when we hear those three words put together, we think of Steve Austin, the six million dollar man, <laughs> the bionic man, better, stronger, faster. All right. Did that just take anybody else back? Right. You know, I didn't like that show. I thought they spent too much money. Oh, <laughs> no, not even close. I think they could have done it for a half. You think? I do. I really do. They should have shopped around a little yes. bit. <laughs> well, we, my brothers and I, we lived and breathed that show. We acted it out. I could. It was exciting when the bionic woman came along because now that was good. <laughs> that part was good. I. I I, I agree with that. It was all the running scenes, right? It was like before Baywatch, we had the bionic woman. Anyway, um, so better, stronger, faster. I think that many of us went to the polls in November, and we raised a glass of champagne on New Year's Eve, subconsciously hearing this theme in the backs of our minds, right? We can rebuild what's broken, we can make it all better and faster and stronger. Our country and our constitution have been through a very rough season, but we have hope that we can rebuild, restore, and make America great again. The rough and tumble 2016 election and all the aftermath and hypocritical and ironic twists and turns made me remember that opening sequence of this TV show from the 1970s. Steve Austin, he's the $6 million man. He's the bionic man. He's an astronaut 
shooting for the highest regions of space who ends up in a terrible crashing back to Earth. In the theme, we hear the bionic man's voice say, I can't hold it. She's breaking up. She's breaking up. And then that terrible crashing sound that follows. Some of us see similarities in how the lofty ideals of the past eight years have resulted in a similar sound of dissension and destruction. On the TV show, the calm, assured voice of Oscar Goldman comes in and he says, He's barely alive, but gentlemen, we have the technology. We have the capability to make him better than he was before. Better, faster, stronger. This is exactly what President-elect Trump has said about his plans for the future of America. And we must do our part to help in that endeavor. Whatever your gifts or talents are, even if you didn't vote for Trump, you have the capability to do something within your sphere of influence to rebuild some broken area in yourself, in your home, in your neighborhood, in your city, in your state, or in our federal government. Let's all work together, all parties, all affiliations, all citizens to make America better, stronger, and faster than ever before. Dan? Well, made me think of something. It, how much did it cost to build the $6 billion man? The, mm, ding, ding, ding. I know this one. It's $6 million. Think about <laughs> how much it would cost today to do that. Oh, my gosh. Right? I mean, this, the ironic man. No, we won't talk about that. <laughs> but we'll talk about how much it cost Obama just to do a website for what is that Obamacare. What? It's like in the B's, the billions, yeah. isn't it? $2.1 billion. No. $2.1 billion. For a website. It shouldn't even cost the point one. <laughs> right? Shouldn't it cost... So the, the $6 million man in today's money, it if it's a government contract... Trump could build it for $4.83. <laughs> Obama would be $55,263.90. He'd have Boeing and, and whoever else competing against each other and drive that price right down, wouldn't he? My goodness. That is amazing. Is it really $2.1 billion? You know, it, if they would have just spent that money to help people who had health issues, right? it seems like that would have gone a long way towards making America better, stress, faster, well, Maybe he stronger. wouldn't have able to put his name on it. <laughs> he didn't want his name on it. Oh, he didn't? Actually, no. It was supposed to be the Affordable Care Act. Yeah. So, okay. Well, and then when we realized it really wasn't so let's affordable. Let's save the Affordable Care Act. And it for wasn't another, very caring. Let's save the Affordable Care Act for another <laughs> uh, episode. But All today, right. Have you even introduced our guest yet? We yeah, are being silly to. here. I'm All trying right. to. Turn her mic off so I can <laughs> explain who. <laughs> okay. Oh, man. Our first this hour. Is, we have gone off the rails. Happy our, New Year. Yeah. St- <laughs> you know, we probably drank a little too much, and it's kind of overflowing. I don't know. Oh, this is great. Go ahead. Our first hour, we have Clover Lawson, one of the founders of Lawson & Palmer, a custom solution provider for sales and marketing in the shooting sports industry. She has developed a Making America Great Again. She is involved in Making America Great Again and a DC Project delegate and speaker at Trump rallies. So she got to go to the rallies? Yeah, I got to speak at. I want to do that. I know. As long as I don't have to read and talk, I could probably <laughs> handle that. We have Andrew uh, Bronca, 
an internationally recognized expert of American self-defense law and author of The Law of Self-Defense. Andrew is also frequently a featured speaker around the country and provides legal expertise for such news outlets as the Wall Street Journal and NPR. Our second error, we have Kelly McMillan, the CEO of McMillan Fiberglass Stocks loaded here in Phoenix. If you hunt, shoot, or compete, you know that McMillan name means top tier quality and design. This is a family business, American dream success story, even after some major government meddling. And there's Obama again. He and his um, attorney general, Eric Holder. You have to say that name. You're probably going to have to say Hillary Clinton sometime <laughs> tonight, too. Stop it. They headed up a horribly illegal and unconstitutional um, program called Operation Choke Point, where they went to lending agents like banks, like Bank of America, and they put stricter regulations on them if they were going to do business with perfectly legal uh, entities such as FFL holders, gun stores, ammo dealers, anybody involved in the gun business and other uh, industries. But, uh, yeah, so thank I mean, you I can so understand much for it that. If it was Joe's crack service, <laughs> something like that. But for a licensed gun shop or a licensed business? We are one of the most highly regulated entities businesses there could possibly be and and now they got to squeeze out uh, squeeze off our money flow from the banks um that's that's a tough go but uh, the mcmillans made it we've made it um and we're we're on to better things better faster stronger right yes but we still can't just sit back and relax we have to stay on top of things we also have Frank Miniter. He's the author and contributor of Forbes magazine, who recently wrote an article titled, Beware of the Mainstream Media Solutions to Fake News. So, what is and how do we recognize this to avoid it? Fake news. Well, he's going he's gonna to give us some great ideas. He wrote an awesome article that is up on our um, our website, The Beware of Mainstream Media Solution to Fake News. So, um <coughs> It's going to be good. We also have John G. Miller, the author of QBQ, The Question Behind the Question, and several other titles uh, speaking to personally, personal accountability, eliminating blame, procrastinism, and victim thinking. John is joining us today as part four of our four-part series on conflict de-escalation and conflict resolution. I'm so excited to have him on. He is such an awesome guy. And uh, we actually had him come out and speak to our team. And we invited other people in uh, at our auction house, Pot of Gold Auction, a couple of years back. Yeah, and that was fun. It was fun. And uh, it's it's an important way of thinking because, you know, we always want to look at what somebody else is doing to us. And he constantly brings it back around to you. What so can you do to improve your situation? Did he send a copy of this to Hillary? <laughs> Moving right along. You know, the title says, What to Really Ask Yourself to Eliminate Blame Victim Thinking. <laughs> um, maybe he we're should. Mo- we're moving right along. Oh, we are. We're okay. moving right along because we are always trying to, you know, not end conversations, 
with our opinion, right? We're always trying to open conversations. We're trying to invite uh, people that maybe disagree with our our thought process and our opinions. And so um, we're having a little bit of fun today, but we really... We really do want to hear everybody's opinions about things. And if we just keep hammering the other side, that's not going to happen, right? No, we have to have an open conversation. That's true. I'm just having a little fun today because I want to. <laughs> and at the end of our show, we always have our Responsibility Armed Citizen Report. And instead of Danny's rant, right, we have Dan's commentary. Um. So stick around. We have an awesome show. And right after this, we're going to be talking with Clover Lawson. So stick around. Work it, make it, do it. Makes us all up in a faster, stronger. Not that that don't kill me. Can only make us stronger. I need you to hurry up now. Because I can't wait much longer. I know I got to be right now. Because I can't get much stronger. Man, I've been waiting all night now. That's how long I've been on ya. Hi, I'm Paul Lathrop. I'd like to talk with you about the Armed Citizens Legal Defense Network. As many of you know, you'll likely have to win two fights if you have to use your gun in self-defense. The first fight is the gunfight itself. The second fight is the fight to clear your good name through the legal system. You don't need to draw your gun to find yourself in a legal battle for your life and freedom. Even if you do everything right, you may still be prosecuted, which could cost you tens of thousands of dollars. The Armed Citizens Legal Defense Network is an official sponsor of the Self-Defense Radio Network, and they will completely take that worry away by giving you financial assistance and legal assistance if you have to use your gun in a legitimate self-defense situation. In my case, it was $12,500 just to get out of jail and get the attorney started. Don't let no overzealous anti-gun prosecutor make your life miserable because you chose to legally defend yourself. Sign up at armedcitizensnetwork.org for only $135 for the first year and discounted renewals. Or you can call 360-978-5200 and just tell them Paul sent you. Hey ladies, Cheryl Todd here from azfirearms.com. Many of us ladies are taking the important step of becoming responsibly armed, but it can be an intimidating process. And with all the politics swirling, a first-time gun buyer, whether a guy or a lady, might feel uncertain about where to begin and who to trust. At azfirearms.com, we are a small, friendly, family-owned shop that specializes in first-time gun buyers. We are staffed with knowledgeable people who are ready to help answer all of your questions. My husband and Dan and I pride ourselves on having a safe, no-pressure environment. Once you have decided on a purchase, azfirearms.com partners with professional firearms instructors who will train you to become a responsible, safe, prepared, and proficient gun owner. So ladies and gents, when you are looking for personalized service and a huge selection, come to azfirearms.com in Old Town Avondale off the I-10 and Dysart Road or visit us on the web at azfirearms.com. Welcome back to Gun Freedom Radio, where we engage, we educate, and we inform. We are sponsored by azfirearms.com, your nationwide hometown gun shop. And in all of our silliness in our opening segment, uh, I did mention that this show will air on Saturday, January 7th. 
2017, and it's episode 71, so there's a whole lot of sevens going on there, um, but that we are pre-recording is what we forgot to say. And so today, as we're sitting in the studio, it is Tuesday, January 3rd, and so if any major news stories come along that um, you would have expected us to talk about, uh, and we don't, it, please know we're not ignoring it, we just... Uh, we. Went to the studio early because we're going to be off playing this weekend. Uh, one of our relatives, my brother's coming into town, and we're going to go have some family fun. So thank you for sticking around. Our theme today is Better, Faster, Stronger, and our first guest is Clover Lawson, a founding partner of Lawson & Palmer. Clover represents world-class competition shooters and works with some of the best manufacturers in the firearms industry on product development and go-to-market strategies. Ms. Clover, are you with us? I am. Can you hear me? I sure can. Thank you so much for taking the time to come on the show with us. Now, um, before we dive into like Lawson and Palmer and all the great stuff that you guys do there, with the theme of our show... You know, I think you're such a perfect person to bring on because this past year, 2016, you dove in and volunteered uh, to help out with the DC project. You know, that's a totally grassroots uh, organization. And then you also were asked to be a speaker at a Trump rally. Not just one, a couple. I thought and, so, but, but I didn't want to overstate one, it. <laughs> that's okay. That's okay. Um, the first one was, um, there's nothing like your first public speaking engagement in your whole life in front of 16,000 people. That's oh, all I'll say about my that. God. So, um, <laughs> but you stepped really, up and did it. <laughs> oh, my God. What was really funny is people, when I got off stage, people were like, oh, my God, you sounded like you've done this your whole life. I said, isn't that funny that I've never done this before? But that just goes to show you. I, plus, I think I found my calling. I really enjoy public speaking now. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, <laughs> it is um, fun, isn't it? it? You know, it, it's very and, – and when you're passionate about something and yes. you believe in it, yes. you can easily speak and – you know, um, exact your point to people so that we, you know, we can get the uh, the whole entire message across, you know? Absolutely. So how so, were you chosen, especially since you don't have a shingle out saying Clover Lawson public speaker? <laughs> yeah, no, I know. Now I think I've got more of that shingle out because I've been asked many times to do other things now and uh, different, you know, d- different environments and different things. But um, I, uh, I really hadn't made a decision politically who I was going to back um, Mm -hmm. at the time. I got a phone call from um, uh, a friend of mine who was the, um, I have friends in varied places. I know you do too, Cheryl, because, you know, the more we are in this industry, the more we find that we relate to people in all kinds of walks of life. Well, this gal is a gun girl as well and um, lives here in Florida. She was the Florida, um, uh, director for the Trump campaign. Mm. And so I got a call from her and she said, Hey, we were at a meeting, um, at headquarters and we had, um, we wanted to, um, uh, you know, talk, we, we realized in the meeting that all of us are Florida people and Florida has the highest as per pew, you know, per capita, uh, gun carry rate. We have the most concealed carry holder 
holders of any state. And she said, we realized that everyone at the meeting carries every day. And um, and I said, really? I said, that's awesome. And, and she said, we'd like to have you come and um, lead the Pledge of Allegiance is how it started. And then and then she says, would you write a speech and, and then submit it and let me know, let me, I'll, I'll see what I can do because I think I'd like to work you in as a speaker. And I said, okay. She said, would you like to speak? And I said, yes. Of <laughs> because course. Because that's how it works. That's right. <laughs> you have to say yes or you don't get called, right? <laughs> that's so, right. Like as though I had done it every day of my life. Um, anyway. That's fantastic. Um, and so we did that and pretty much history after that um she saw the speech she said oh we're definitely having you speak we're going to have someone else do the pledge we want to highlight this we want to do an entire gun girls for trump started a facebook page we and it really kind of turned into a, a bit of a movement in the in the end you know women and guns that's my thing anyway so my goodness well you know what I, last year i call last year the year of saying yes for me and it has just opened up so many doors you know it's showing up is really most of uh most of any success story so uh congratulations to you and for the boldness to just say yes and then figure it out Cheryl why didn't you tell me that that was a year of saying yes (laughs) I would have used that very much so I I always get it after the fact oh my goodness we are we are moving along again but you with your, uh, oh, by the way, I bought a cannon. So I think every year is the year of saying yes for you. So anyway, let's go back to Clover and talking about uh, Lawson and Palmer. Tell us about what you guys do at Lawson and Palmer. One of the things that, um, well, we do a couple different things. And we have, a, you know, it's kind of a, it was a brainchild that we had come up with and it kind of morphed as we were um uh as we were uh going along you know um and uh it, what it morphed into was that um we realized that it would kind of lead its own direction at some point and the cream would rise to the top so to speak as every business does but we started off and we still do um public relations sales marketing um we really really hone our entire focus to the outdoor sports firearms shooting industry and we we tailor everything that we do we have um some people that we work with that are extremely talented we do we help um, companies do um website um revamps um improve their seo we do um so we have an entire arm that does that we do social media management for different companies and professional shooters um and we do um and that's not something that we put out there very much we're really picky about who will take on to do that kind of stuff we see need and then we fill it you know um but the sales and marketing part we do a lot of inception to market so i have people that bring me concepts and ideas i know where to go to get manufacturing done how to put a product together packaging wise and then actually take it to market after um, we've also done some products that were a brand already, sort of, that had lost the actual product that was in the that was for the brand, and we've developed a brand new product for them, and oh, wow. done you know now they're in the marketplace again, done better product, way better branding, way better marketing, um, just you know just kind of, um, and it's all firearms, outdoor sporting related, so we don't we don't deviate from that that you know, arena. We all recently took on a brand called Soldier Fuel, which is um, actually a, like, it's a sports bar. It's an energy bar that's designed for 
the United States soldier. Okay. Oh, wow. um, and that was that was one of those, um, it's kind of, people go, how does that fit into the whole firearms thing? Well, when you're doing competition shooting, you mm. need that kind of energy like you would for an op when you're in the military. Seriously. So, and sometimes you just, need a, you just need a quick meal, just a quick bit of fuel, you know, keep the your hands clean. The best part about this is three What's that? Go ahead. It lasts a three-year shelf life. Yeah. So, um, and you know that, you know, as part of what we do, we market to people who um, who are, you know, preparing for life um, is what I like to call it. And um, and that, you know, comes in handy when you're wanting to have something that you can, a go-to thing that you can have. I mean, emergencies, hurricanes, exactly. you know, any kind of uh, emergency management. And you need to have things that last a while somewhere that people can quickly eat and have energy to sustain themselves because the number one um, situation in gun safety and every you know everything else as far as the energy level of being able to create an environment of that is having somebody who who's not falling asleep at the wheel and yeah, for <laughs> it's sure. pretty simple you well, gotta have the tell tell us how we can find out more about LNP. Um, well, we have a, um, a website and we will, you know, we're, our website's fairly basic, but, um, you're welcome to, um, use the, the website link to do a contact or you can do info at lawsonpalm.com. Um, and we'll, we'll, we'll gladly tell you, but we have a social media page that's fairly active and we post stuff about our products there as well, um, that we carry. And, um, the more we add to the bunch and, and also our shooters. We have a we have a stable of shooters that are fairly amazing, hmm. some of the best in the world. So um, and that provides a test ground too for product. So that's so we, Lawson, we will develop and run test programs. So. Lawson and Palmer dot com, right? It's Lawsonpalmer.com. Lawson Palmer dot okay. No and on that one. Gotcha. Well, we are about to run out of time, but one thing cool. because our theme is better, stronger, faster. I did want to just kind of touch on the fact that, you know, some people are reacting to the election of Donald Trump by saying, all right, our, our Second Amendment is protected, so we can just kind of sit back and, and relax because, you know, the, the work is going to be done for us. What would you say about that? Never. Never. Never can um, a watchdog sit back and relax. You have to always be vigilant because, you know, without the guidance of the people and the heart uh, that we are here, you know, and support the Second Amendment and the knowledge and know-how and education that we provide, will we be in a situation where we can, we, it's never a time to relax, in my opinion. In fact, now is the most important time to educate the general people, especially our, you know, our um, elected officials on the actual um, premise behind the Second Amendment and guns in general, because mm. we still have that, you know, that um, thing out there, you know, that a black gun evil, you know, right. and um, we need to re-educate people that, you know, it's the people who are criminals, not the guns. Absolutely. The gun didn't do anything without Absolutely. someone else, you know, picking it up. So um, now's the time. Now's the time to do all that. Well, I agree. And so I think it's it's the most perfect intersection for people that did vote for Donald Trump and people that didn't vote for Donald Trump to understand that their involvement in our government is so needed. 
So, you know, let's keep things on the right path for those of us that are happy he's there. And let's put things on the right path for those that aren't happy he's there. And that takes you, right? Yep, absolutely. And every two and four years, to do it all over again so there's no there's no time well thank you so much for for being on the show and taking the time and i just want to encourage anybody that has a product you know that they want to uh put to the marketplace or if you've already got uh things going on but you want a little bit more of a push behind you to check out lawson and palmer right good deal absolutely absolutely all right well, thank you, Miss right. Clover Lawson, LawsonPalmer.com. Bye-bye. All right. Well, thank you so much, and stick around because we still have Andrew Branca coming up. Now, Andrew wrote a book called The Law of Self-Defense, The Indispensable Guide for the Armed Citizen. You are definitely going to want to stick around and hear everything that he has to stay, say <laughs> right on the other side of this commercial. Hey everybody, this is Joey Rocket Shoes Dylan, world champion gunslinger and Hollywood gun coach. In the westerns, there's always a good guy and a bad guy and sometimes the ugly guy. And I always root for the good guy, which is why I'm here to tell you about the good folks over at azfirearms.com. They are straight shooters and always give you the best deal in town. azfirearms.com is the biggest little gun shop in Arizona and have something for every single gun enthusiast. Long guns, pistols, hunting, military, law enforcement, home protection, you name it. And when you've got some guns to sell or trade in and trade up, azfirearms.com are the folks to see. Geez, they bought a cannon once. They are family-owned and operated, friendly staff, courteous, totally reliable. azfirearms.com will give you the best value for your used guns. So stop in, see my friends Dan and Cheryl Todd at azfirearms.com in Old Town Avondale off the I-10 and Dysart Road and tell them Joey Rocket Shoes Dylan sent you. Don Collier here, letting you know that you won't get fool's gold at Potty Gold Auction. They're the genuine article. Potty Gold Auctions off guns, coins, jewelry, and antiques of every kind. Stop in and see my friends Dan and Cheryl Todd in Avondale, Arizona for some live auction action. Or check them out on the web at pottygoldestate.com. Auctions take place the first and third Tuesday of every month and are full of a great mix of antiques, collectibles, jewelry, guns, and coins. Visit our beautiful air-conditioned showroom off the I-10 at Dysart Road at 215 East Western Avenue in historic downtown Avondale. You will find a friendly and knowledgeable staff, comfortable chairs, and we even serve free birthday cake at every auction. Or bid from the comfort of your home at potofgoldestate.com. Don't miss out. Everything is going, going, gone at potofgoldestate.com. Welcome back to Gun Freedom Radio, where we engage, we educate, and we inform. We are sponsored by azfirearms.com, the biggest little gun shop in Arizona. And in keeping with our theme of better, stronger, faster, and improving ourselves and being proactive in the new year, our next guest is Andrew Branca, an internationally recognized expert on American self-defense law. He is also the author of The Law of Self-Defense, 
Andrew is also frequently a featured speaker at law school gun law symposia around the country and provides legal expertise for such news outlets as the Wall Street Journal and NPR and now Gun Freedom Radio. <laughs> Welcome to the show, Andrew. Oh. I'm very glad to be here. Can you hear me okay? I can, yes. And you are clear Great. as a bell. That is beautiful. That's the, the power of Skype right there, right? And a high-end microphone. Nice. Well played, sir. Well, you know, as I'm reading the name of your book and the specialty that you have in the area of law, why is self-defense law an area of specialty? Well, I've been a, a member of the gun community my whole life. I started shooting competitively with small-bore rifle when I was a kid and then as an adult with uh, mostly handgun, handgun competition. And I would go to matches. And, and gun ranges and gun shows and gun stores. And I'd overhear people giving each other advice about what to do if they've ever had to act in self-defense. And the, the advice was horrific. It was oh the kinds of things we've all heard before. Like if you shoot someone outside your house, make sure you drag them inside the house before you call the police. <laughs> so Actually, wrong. the kind of advice that, that could take what was a perfectly lawful self-defense shoot and make it look exactly like manslaughter. Mm. Uh, so I would explain to them why they don't want to do that. And they said, well, okay, we understand your explanation, but what's a good resource for someone like us who's are not attorneys to go and learn what the law of self-defense really is as opposed to what our brother-in-law who once dated a cop thinks it is or what some internet <laughs> forum or Facebook group says it is. And unfortunately, there were no good sources of information. Uh, even for attorneys, there weren't many good sources of information. When I looked it in, into it myself, I had to do primary legal research to learn what the law of self-defense was in all 50 states. And that's what led me to write the book. So people would have some place to turn where they could learn the law of self-defense in a manner of, of plain English. So they didn't have to try to translate the legalese themselves, but the information could be actionable to them. Well, I think that's brilliant and wonderful. And, you know, when you talk about the, you know, dragging the body back in, I mean, I can't even imagine from a lawyer's eyes what that looks like. But I'll, I'm just saying, okay, tampering with evidence, right, from the get-go. <laughs> so, you know, it's just such a bad idea. But... Then you think that, you know, even if they've done everything, quote unquote, correctly, you know, they, they were the ones that were being attacked. They took a defensive action. Depending on what state they're standing in, the rules could be completely different. Maybe even what city. Is that true or am I wrong about that? Well, the, the self-defense law tends, at, le at least in terms of defensive persons, uh, let's set aside defensive property, the self-defense law in terms of defensive persons tends to be about, I would say, 80% the same across all 50 states. Uh, now, that 20% that's different matters. It's the difference between being acquitted and going to prison. So you do need to know that for your specific state. But by and large, the literal law uh, tends not to be that different. What does tend to be very different, however, is the political environment. Uh, and, of course, a lot of the law, the decisions that uh, prosecutors make to bring someone to trial, for example, are unfortunately too often politically motivated. So you could have two states that have exactly the same statutory framework for self-defense, but the decision-making on the part of the prosecutors could be completely different. Or not even two different states, but two different regions within a state, a metropolitan area, an urban area, as opposed to a, uh, a rural area, for example. Holy cow. You know, and sometimes I, I think that's an example of us being our own worst enemies 
because, you know, we might have the best of intentions and be voting, you know, for laws, thinking that, you know, they're common sense gun laws and all these sorts of things. And then when it's us that have to defend our lives and then we're met by all these these uh, laws that are politically motivated that maybe we helped to create, that's got to be a bitter pill to swallow. Well, what I like to tell people is, you know, you, you could do everything right tactically. You could do everything right legally. But the moment you engage in a physical confrontation with somebody else, you've just assumed a non-zero risk of dying and a non-zero risk of going to jail for the rest of your life. So the circumstances under which you should be willing to assume that risk should be very, very limited. Uh, your own life, the life of your family, uh, sure, those things fit into that bucket. But it's a very limited list of things for which anyone should be prepared to take those risks. Andrew, hi, I'm Dan. Welcome to the show. You know, Hi, Dan. <clears throat> hi. This book is unbelievably easy to read, and there's some very important things in there that I just kind of picked up and looked at. Like describing uh, high defensible property, what, what you go into detail about what that is, and then you go into the least defensible property so people can understand, okay, this is my house. I can protect my house. It's, it's amazing. I, I'm looking forward to going through this whole book. Super easy to read. Well, I appreciate that. I, I can tell you that it, it actually took us um, longer to translate all the legalese into plain English <laughs> than it took us to do all the legal research for 50 states. Well, uh, it, was, it was a difficult job, but, but it, was, it was well worth it. I almost came to blows with my editor more than once. Uh, but uh, that's the, the single most common compliment we get on the book is that it's easily acceptable, accessible to someone who's not an attorney. Well, I love that because uh, two people that I always uh, really appreciate when they speak English, the way that I say speak English is like computer programmers. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and IT guys and uh, lawyers, Turns, yeah. because, you know, you, you have your own <clears throat> language that is purposely built so that, you know, because it, the difference of a where a comma goes or the difference of the a specific word can make all the difference, like you said, of an acquittal or going to prison. So uh, we do appreciate that you brought that down to what I could understand um, easily. Now, when Dan was talking about the highly defensible and the, the, the least defensible property, give us an example of what those two things would be. Uh, well, least defensible types of property are, are any kind of personal or tangible property, items you could carry around. So a purse, a pocketbook. Unfortunately, pets also qualify. I know people who have pets feel like they're members of the family, but in the eyes of the law, they're just personal property. And with very rare exception, uh, at most, you're allowed to use non-deadly force in defense of personal property. Uh, there is one exception for Texas, but we don't have time to get into that. Texas is always exceptional in its own way. Uh, the difference between that and highly defensible property is highly defensible property has the characteristic of being something that shelters or protects people. So it's places like your home or your place of business or an occupied vehicle. I say occupied vehicle because an unoccupied vehicle would simply be personal property. What the law does in most states is it allows for a greater scope of force in the defense of highly defensible property, your home, your place of business, or your occupied vehicle. What's important for people to understand, however, is that what's literally being defended, even then, is not literally the property. It's not the shingles on your home or the front doorknob on your on your house. Uh, the pro that property is acting as a surrogate for the people inside the property. So it's really still 
still being defended is humans, people inside the property. What the law is saying is in the context of those properties, in the context of your home, the law will either allow you to use more force or to use force sooner or to allow for a legal presumption that your use of force was reasonable when you're defending people in the context of those highly defensible properties. So basically, like you're saying, if you see somebody trying to break into your car and you're not in the car, you would pretty well need to just call the police and 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 let it happen, right? I mean, the safest thing to do would be to do that, right? Your car is replaceable. Absolutely. I, my personal position is I would never use any degree of force to protect mere personal personal property. Uh, there's too much risk. There's personal risk. There's too much legal risk. And if you call the police, the police, you know, they have lots of police. They have lots of guns. They have dogs. They have helicopters. They have qualified immunity so they can't get sued if something goes wrong. We don't have any of that. Yeah. And if you catch somebody uh, so in the, the act of stealing a car, there's a good chance the police would catch them because they're on it right away versus, uh, you know, uh, something else. But, you know, if you had a baby in the car, which I don't know why you would have a baby in the car while you go into the house, but that's a different situation, and I'm sure there's sure. other examples. Right. That's completely different because then what you're defending is not the car but the person in the car. Right. And then you wouldn't necessarily want to shoot at the person because a stray bullet could then hit your baby. So you know, you've really got to think these things through, not even just in a legal standpoint, but also just, you know, you get the five uh, rules of gun safety. Know where, one of them is know where your projectile is going to go and what's beyond it, right? Absolutely. What, what I like to tell people, actually, is the law of self-defense is not it's not complicated. It's it's simple, really. There's only five elements of a self-defense claim, much like the, the, the rules of gun safety. It, it's simple, but it's not easy in the sense that you do have to do some work. You have to learn what they are and you have to think beforehand about what you're willing to do in any kind of confrontation because you don't have time during the fight to try to figure out what the rules are. Uh, you need to spend a little bit of time to educate yourself on the rules and to decide beforehand under what circumstances you're prepared to use what degree of force. And if you do that, then you're really well positioned to defend yourself tactically, to win the physical fight, and also to be prepared to win the legal fight that follows. Excellent. Well, we've got to run to commercial for just a second. You'll stick around with us? Absolutely. Good, because we got a lot more to dive into with our guest, Andrew Branca. He is the author of The Law of Self-Defense, The Indispensable Guide for the Armed Citizen. So stick around, because we have much more on the better, stronger, faster edition of Gun Freedom Radio. We're back with Cheryl Todd talking about the huge gun buying event at azfirearms.com. Oh, AZ, I get it as in Arizona. Yes, but... Oh, or AZ as in everything from A to Z. Well, yes, that too. But what I'm telling everybody about is that azfirearms.com is having a huge gun buying event to buy your old firearms all across Arizona and everything from A to Z. That's great news. See, my grandpa left me an old shotgun and it's just sitting on a closet shelf at home. So I can bring that into azfirearms.com and sell my gun? 
Absolutely. azfirearms.com buys, sells, trades, and even consigns your old firearms. Any vintage, any style, military, long guns, handguns, hunting, or home protection. Single items or entire collections. We offer the highest value for your used firearms in a safe and friendly environment, staffed by knowledgeable people. azfirearms.com is an old town Avondale off I-10 and Dysart Road. Come on down to the huge gun buying event every day through the end of the month at the biggest little gun shop in Arizona. And for all your firearm and ammo needs, visit azfirearms.com. I'm Rob Morse from the Self-Defense Gun Stories podcast. Each week we share stories about men and women who saved lives. Now I'm asking you to be a lifesaver as well. The Second Amendment Foundation protects our rights to keep and bear arms. They defend our rights in courts from coast to coast. Today, they need our help. Please go to saf.org and join the Second Amendment Foundation. That's saf.org. Be a part of the gold rush and head on down to see my friends at Pot of Gold Auctions in Avondale, Arizona. Or check out the auction online at potofgoldestate.com. These folks auction off guns, coins, jewelry, and antiques of every kind. Everything is going, going, gone. So you best hurry and tell them Don Cogger sent you. Welcome back to Gun Freedom Radio, where we engage, we educate, and we inform. We are sponsored by azfirearms.com, your nationwide hometown gun shop. And our theme today is Better, Stronger, Faster. And we have been talking with Andrew Bronca, the author of the book, The Law of Self-Defense. And Dan had a specific uh, question he wanted to ask you, Andrew. So, Andrew, hi, welcome back. I'm glad to be here. Great. You know, we have a gun shop, and we have several uh, customers that come in. They're new customers. They've never owned a gun before. And one of the first things they ask us, okay, now that I bought a gun, what's next? What can I do? How can I defend myself? When can I defend myself? So what is the best advice that you say I could give them? Well, of course, the very first concern has to be safety. Uh, safety in the handling of the firearm and safety in the storage of the firearm. Uh, I have people ask me all the time, they're interested about getting a gun for personal protection. Those are always the two things I emphasize first. If you haven't got those covered, there's no point looking at anything else. But assuming those two are covered, uh, then yes, uh, if they're contemplating that they may someday, despite their best efforts to avoid it, be compelled to use force in self-defense, they better learn what the rules are. Uh, because people don't, don't realize this, but it's it's intrinsic to claiming self-defense for some use of force. When you claim self-defense, what you're actually saying is, yes, I shot that person, but I did so with the legal justification of self-defense. The difficulty arises if your self-defense claim is weak and fails, is disproven by the prosecutor. What's left of that statement? Yes. I shot that person. All that's left is essentially a confession, and that makes for a very easy conviction for a prosecutor. Mm. Uh, so if you're going to be claiming self-defense, you'd better make sure your ducks are in a row. And if, for your ducks to be in a row, you have to know what the rules are. Again, they're not complicated. There's only five of them, but you, you can't figure them out in the middle of the fight. You have to have put in a little bit of effort to learn what they are and think through scenarios in which you're prepared to use force beforehand. Right, and just owning guns d- doesn't qualify you to know that. I mean, I've been around guns all my life, and uh, at one point I was arm robbed and in my store, and um, the person left the store, and then I fired at that person after they walked out the door. I was arrested, 
but uh, they did uh, let me out because of um, uh, stop a fleeing felon law was in effect at that time. But I could have really been in some big trouble. And he didn't hit the guy. So let's make that clear. He hit a brick wall and the brick ricocheted and hit the guy. And the guy thought he was hit and fell down. So he did stop the fleeing felon. But yeah, that could have been really, really, um, that would have been a life altering event for you. And I thought I knew, I thought I knew guns. Well, I might have known guns, but I don't know the law. And so it's, it's a responsibility. Safety's first. You're right. But most of the people that come in the store that are new owners or new buyers, they are looking for self-defense. So it is just important for them to know what they can and can't do with the gun as it is for the safety issues of the gun. So uh, probably get, uh, we're going to sell your book in our store. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, that would be great. If, uh, contact me offline. We have a, a substantial discount for resellers of books that I think it's 50% or something like that. Fantastic. Uh, But one of the concerns we always have to have is, I mentioned early on when you asked me why I wrote my book in the first place, uh, it was because there weren't any good sources of self-defense law information out there. Unfortunately, there's a lot of sources of information about self-defense law, but they're almost all bad sources of information. Yeah. Uh, And so people get misled. And one of the most common ways that people get misled is they'll read in the newspaper about someone who used force in supposed self-defense, and that person ends up not being arrested, not being prosecuted, not being convicted, and they think to themselves, wow, it didn't work out bad for that person. They didn't get in legal trouble. What they did must have been lawful. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, in many of those cases, what the person did was actually unlawful, but that particular prosecutor chose to use his discretion, his authority, not to prosecute and convict that person. Mm-hmm. They were, in fact, vulnerable to prosecution. Mm-hmm. But if someone reads that news story and concludes that that was a lawful use of force, and they do that themselves, and then they're dealing with a prosecutor who's not as forgiving, right. they've really put themselves in a bind. So on our list of things we wanted to talk about today, one of them is warning shots. What do you have to say about, you know, the warning shot that some people think is perfectly okay to do? Yeah, bottom line is never, ever, 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 ever do that. Uh, warning shots are never a good idea. Uh, the, most, the most familiar reason they're not a good idea to many people is that you're only allowed to use deadly force when you're facing an imminent threat of death or grave bodily harm. So a threat that's about to happen right now. If you have the time to fire a warning shot, Instead of firing a shot into the attacker, it suggests that you yourself didn't believe the threat was imminent yet. If you Mm. thought the threat was imminent, you would have been firing into the person, not into the air. Uh, The other reason warning shots are very, very dangerous, legally speaking, is, you know, once you fire that bullet, you have it's going somewhere. It will continue until it stops. And if you fire at the floor or fire into the air, uh, it may ricochet off the ground. It'll come down someplace. And if it hits somebody and injures somebody. Uh, you're very likely to be facing a charge of criminal recklessness, uh, an act of criminal negligence, because you didn't intend to hurt that person. That person didn't deserve to be hit. It was just a bystander that got hit by your ricochet. And we don't have any control over where the ricochet goes. The difficulty there is that the legal defense of self-defense only applies to an intentional use of force against an attacker. It does not apply to accidents. So if the prosecutor has a fact basis on which he can argue that your, your use of force was not, in fact, intentional self-defense, it was an act of negligence, then the judge can take self-defense completely off the table. The jury will never hear the word self-defense said in that trial because you're charged with criminal negligence, not an intentional use of force against another person. 
And you definitely do not want to be facing a criminal charge of negligence and not have any legal defense to raise because you're just out of luck. Right. Well, here in Arizona, we have something called Shannon's Law that is specifically about shooting up in the air. So it's New Year's Eve, you're excited, you're reveling, you shoot in the air. Well, Shannon was the victim of just standing, I think, on her driveway, and one of those bullets from somebody somewhere came down, hit her on the top of the head, and killed her. And so when you say those bullets go somewhere, you're right. So um, that's, uh, that's a very important thing. We also said we wanted to talk about return to the fight. What is that? Yeah, there was just a case in the, uh, in the media this week about this actually when when the when this story was first reported it sounds like a bad guy was shooting at a good guy and the good guy returned fire and then for some weird reason the good guy got arrested and is being prosecuted and it doesn't really make any sense until you read the actual police report what happened in the police report was yes the bad guy shot at somebody the person he shot at actually went home and got a gun and then came back Oh, gosh. Uh, that is no longer and then and fired at the original person. That's not an act of self-defense. That's going home and arming yourself and coming back and starting a second fight. Unfortunately, for many people, they feel like they've been aggressed against. They have a right to return the favor. Hmm. Uh, but that's not what the law says. The law says you have a right to defend yourself against that imminent threat that's happening right now. You don't have the right to leave gun up and then come back and start a second confrontation. Mm. Wow. And then finally, excessive force. What do we say about that? Excessive force really happens in in two ways. Uh, Excessive force can mean too much force, disproportional force. Uh, We had a case to my office not long ago where a woman was walking through a parking lot and somebody came up to her and asked her for a light. uh, And she was frightened. She got scared. She thought she was about to be mugged. So she took out her gun and pointed it at him. Unfortunately, she wasn't able to articulate to law enforcement any reasonable basis on which she was fearing death or grave bodily harm from this person. So essentially what she did was use deadly defensive force against what was at most a non-deadly force threat and frankly looked like no threat at all. So she used too much force for the circumstances. And if you you use disproportional force, your claim of self-defense fails. The other way you can use excessive force is if you continue using force beyond the point at which the threat is imminent. And this happens quite a bit, where a good person is faced, say, with a robbery. Actually, this is much like the, uh, the anecdote you just described. Uh, a good person is attacked, they have a gun, they take their gun out, and the bad guy runs away. Mm. Well, there, there was a point at which there was an imminent threat, at which they likely would have been lawful in shooting that attacker. But once the imminent threat is done, once the initial attacker is now running away, he's no longer an imminent threat. And if you use force once that window of eminence is closed, that use of force is not lawful. That's awesome. And one of the um, chapters in your book, you talk about de-escalation. And we are actually doing a four-part series. Today is our fourth part on conflict de-escalation. And I love seeing that in your book. Well, I always think of it as kind of three pillars or a three-legged stool for really effective defense. And, of course, the the leg that everybody really focuses on because it's the most fun is the actual tactical shooting component. We all love to do that. You turn money into noise. It's a lot of fun. Uh, the other, Another leg, of course, is the rules of engagement, the legal aspect, and that's what I cover. Uh, but a third leg that, and frankly, I think it's far too little attention, is that leg of de-escalation and understanding 
understanding uh, the criminal interactions that occur, being able to identify threat indicators, uh, being able to de-escalate a conflict so you don't have to go to force. Uh, that It's very different than taking a shooting class, and it's very different than taking one of my law self-defense classes, but it's a truly vital skill that will do as much as either of the others to keep you alive and keep you out of jail. Yeah, very, very important because, you know, in the movies, it always goes one way. You know, the, there's a clear good guy, clear bad guy. The police show up. Somehow, magically, they know who's who. Good guy picks up their firearm, heads on home, life uninterrupted. And that is just not the, the case, clearly. Um, real quickly, before you we... You certainly can't count on it. Can't you yeah, cannot count on it. That's for sure. We only got about two minutes left. So I, I did want to ask you uh, not only to make sure that everybody understands how they can reach out to you, learn more about your book, but also what do you say about making the 911 phone call? Because some people we've talked to um, in self-defense law have said, you know, give as few details. You know, it's just the facts, ma'am. Don't don't let your emotion run and start t- telling the details of the event. What, what do you say about that? Well, in two minutes, interacting with the police is a whole full-hour module in our, our full-day law self-defense class. But in a nutshell, I would say, if you're either an actual criminal or you've never given any thought to what you might say to the police, then you probably shouldn't say anything except you want your lawyer. But if you're an informed citizen who has given thought to what might be useful to say to the police, I believe there are very specific things that can be very helpful to your self-defense claim if you know to say them and know to limit yourself to those specific things. Very good. And then please tell folks how they can find out more about what you do, get a hold of one of your books, reach out to you personally. Uh, Best way to reach us is at lawofselfdefense.com. Of course, we have our book. We also do about 40 full-day law self-defense seminars, live classes all over the country, and we've done them in Phoenix in the past as well. Uh, we have uh, we also have an online version of our class where people can access the same content except streamed to their uh, laptop or their tablet or their smartphone. And finally, we also have uh, an instructor's program uh, for people who are firearms instructors who want to be able to teach this stuff at a much higher level than than most, say, CCW classes manage to uh, manage to do. And finally, of course, we also are a legal practice. So we do a lot of uh, legal consulting and legal advisory work to law-abiding citizens who find themselves uh, in a situation where they've been forced to use force in defense of themselves or their family and now find themselves facing criminal charges. Very good. Thank you again so much, Andrew F. Branca, the That's author. Me. The author of Law of Self-Defense, The Indispensable Guide for the Armed Citizen. Thank you again so much and Happy New Year, sir. We still have another full hour of Gun Freedom Radio and some awesome guests coming up, starting with Kelly McMillan of McMillan Fiberglass Stocks. We've got lots of great stuff to talk about with Frank Miniter. He's going to talk to us about fake news. That's the big news story. And wrapping up, we will be having our fourth in a four-part series on conflict de-escalation with John G. Miller, author of the QBQ. Stick around. Don Collier here, letting you know that you won't get fool's gold at Potty Gold Auction. They're the genuine article. Potty Gold Auctions off guns, coins, jewelry, and antiques of every kind. Stop in and see my friends Dan and Cheryl Todd in Avondale, Arizona for some live auction action. Or check them out on the web at polygoldestate.com. 
Come listen to the Self-Defense Gun Stories podcast. Hear about armed civilians protecting people they love. Were they lucky or were they prepared? Come listen and learn at selfdefensegunstories.com. And we're back with Cheryl Todd talking about the huge gun buying event at azfirearms.com. Oh, AZ, I get it, as in Arizona. Yes, but... Oh, or AZ, as in everything from A to Z. Well, yes, that too. But what I'm telling everybody about is that azfirearms.com is having a huge gun buying event to buy your old firearms all across Arizona and everything from A to Z. That's great news. See, my grandpa left me an old shotgun and it's just sitting on a closet shelf at home. So I can bring that into azfirearms.com and sell my gun. Absolutely. AZFirearms.com buys, sells, trades, and even consigns your old firearms. Any vintage, any style, military, long guns, handguns, hunting, or home protection. Single items or entire collections. We offer the highest value for your used firearms in a safe and friendly environment, staffed by knowledgeable people. AZFirearms.com is Knolltown Avondale off I-10 and Dysart Road. Come on down to the huge gun buying event every day through the end of the month at the biggest little gun shop in Arizona. And for all your firearm and ammo needs, visit AZFirearms.com. 